and welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's March 15th, 2022, and this is episode 83. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. three reviews for you this week of new films that are either available in theaters or on streaming. First up is The Batman. This opened up uh, a couple weeks ago, so sorry to be slow. Uh, this is another reboot of uh, of the Batman character from uh, DC Comics, of course, and, and uh, this film was produced at Warner Brothers. It's directed by Matt Reeves. And, you know, first, maybe just a little... Batman history, uh, you know, Batman, of course, as I mentioned, is a DC Comics uh, superhero character appearing in uh, comic books. He made, Batman made his comic book debut in March of 1939. And, you know, as we know, he's just one of the most popular and pervasive comic book characters uh, of all time. And uh, regarding Batman's appearance in live action and live action TV and movies, um, you know, there was the classic 1960s Batman television show that I remember loving as a kid uh, that starred Adam West. Um, Batman made his feature film debut in 1989. Uh, this uh, Batman was played in that film by Michael Keaton. And, of course, the movie was just called Batman, um, directed by Tim Burton. Tim Burton also directed a sequel called Batman Returns in 1992. And, again, Michael Keaton played Batman. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer was in it. She played Catwoman. So, of course, I love that because, you know, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, And Danny DeVito was in it playing the Penguin. Then Warner Brothers just kept making Batman movies. Uh, with different directors and different actors. Uh, Val Kilmer played Batman in 1995. The film was called Batman Forever. Uh, As you may recall, George Clooney played Batman in 1997. In what's probably regarded as like the worst of the Batman movies, it's called Batman and Robin. Um, I just remember being really bad. So, (laughs) you know, would love to hear from you if, if, uh, and get your your opinion on uh, on some of these films. I think the Batman movies took a really interesting and overall quite a positive turn uh, starting in 2005 with what's known as the Dark Knight trilogy. But Christian Bale played Batman. And so there was a film Batman Begins, then there was the Dark Knight, and then the Dark Knight Rises. Um, I think the best one, and, and although it was super dark and scary, um, the Dark Knight, I thought, was, was a very good uh, film. Then Ben Affleck got hired to play Batman in, um, I guess, what they're referring to as the DC Extended Universe. And so he played Batman in that. And I got to tell you, I think, it's, I think this is even worse than George Clooney's turn as Batman. It was uh, uh, Batman v. Superman. 
And uh, what a horrible film that was. But that led up to uh, Batman appearing in in, uh, Warner Brothers' Justice League movie. And then, you know, that Justice League movie got released in theaters. And then it got recut again. Uh, by the by, the director in in uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League that got put on HBO Max. Anyway, it goes on and on. Uh, now here we are in 2022. We've got a new director and a new Batman with Robert Pattinson. Now, is there such a thing as Batman fatigue? And I do think there is such a thing as Batman fatigue. <laughs> uh, I kind of had it uh, going into this movie. I I wasn't just thrilled to go see this movie, but I but I went dead, you know, because I can be kind of slutty in that in that regard. And uh, so here, here just here here are some thoughts. So this film is, uh, you know, it's it's a, a, another reboot. We've got a, a brand new cast. Robert Pattinson is playing the dual role of both Batman and the reclusive billionaire Bruce Wayne. And then uh, the the supporting characters are all being played by different people. Catwoman is in this film again. She's played by by uh, Zoe Kravitz. The um, uh, Jeffrey Wright plays Commissioner Gordon. You know, the police commissioner that Batman is always uh, always working with. Uh, Alfred, who is Batman or slash Bruce Wayne's kind of butler and caregiver uh, in this film, is played by Andy Serkis. And then uh, the villains in this, there, there are the primary villain is uh, the Riddler. And he's played by Paul Dano. Also... The Penguin is in this one, too. He's played by Colin Farrell. Uh, and you wouldn't even recognize Colin Farrell. He's, he's uh, you know, they put him in a fat suit and did all sorts of stuff, all sorts of makeup and stuff on him. Uh, and he, anyway, so we've got all these different, all these different characters. Uh, I mean, again, same characters within the Batman uh, uh, cast of characters, but just all played by different different people. Uh, I thought that the film had some interesting visuals. Uh, you know, Gotham City, he wants to live there. My goodness, that place, it's just, uh, the sun never shines. And in this movie, it also rains all the time. So uh, I thought that the, the visual design of, of, the, of the city was interesting in that they made it look like a kind of a combination of of Manhattan and Chicago. So that part I liked. Uh, but, wow, most of the places they showed are just, they're just uh, horrible looking. And, again, it's just so, so dark. Uh, and clearly we know that's intentional. But, but uh, anyway, there you have it. Uh I th- I thought Robert Pattinson was fine as Batman. Uh, I think, frankly, he got hired because he has such a distinct jawline, and so his head looked really good in the bat helmet. 
Uh, but when he was playing Bruce Wayne, I thought it was, I thought they made some weird choices. They just made him look, uh, kind of like emo or goth. Uh, he reminded me of, of, uh, Robert Smith from the band, uh, the cure, um, the cure, you know? Um, so I was just thinking boys don't cry (laughs) or it's Friday. I'm in love. Whatever, you know, cure song you think of. Uh, I thought that was almost just kind of funny. It just didn't, he, he, I didn't think he was great as Bruce Wayne. He was, he was definitely better, uh, definitely better as Batman. Maybe that was the point. I don't know. One of the things that I thought was really interesting about this film that I can't say that I liked was that uh, Batman was always on the scene of the crime, hanging out with with Commissioner Gordon and with all of the, all of the policemen and detectives that are gathering evidence. And Batman was just part of the team, and he was always going back and looking at the looking at the evidence and whatnot. And it just seems so weird to me to have Batman on the crime scene. It seems like he should be brooding somewhere else or doing some other thing. Uh, cause he was just talking to the detectives and the policemen as if he was just one of them. And again, maybe that's the point, but it, it seemed, it, uh, seemed kind of weird. I did like the art direction. I liked the production design. I think overall though, my major complaint is the length. I mean, the film is three hours long and, you know, after about two hours of being in that pitch black place. Um, you know, that's kind of frustrating. There was a hint of romance clearly between Batman and Catwoman. And that was one of the few interesting things. I wish they explored that a little more. And I'll keep this spoiler free. I did appreciate that Batman has a bit of a character arc in this film. You know, he actually like goes through some changes. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was interesting rather than just Batman being Batman. But still, for me, it was way too long. Uh, too, just too grim. I mean, the, uh, the Riddler, uh, is just, is just a horrible messed up person, you know? So this, it kind of just felt like this was, uh, Batman CSI or, or, you know, CSI Batman again, cause Batman's hanging out with all the detectives and with all the evidence, but also you get inside the, the the Riddler's head and it's just a horrible messy place because he's just a horrible um, messed up, you know, individual. And again, that's probably the point, but um, it just felt more true crime instead of uh, Batman. So I, I just didn't love the Batman, but uh, I think that I, it's resonating with audiences. It's been making money. And, uh, I hope, I hope Batman fans like it. That's probably the the main thing. I can't say that I'm necessarily a huge Batman fan. And again, as I expressed at the beginning of the review, uh, I've got some Batman fatigue because they, they just Warner brothers just reboots this, I think way too, way too much. So anyway, there's the Batman still playing in theaters. If you want to go, if you want to go check it out. Next up is a film as, uh, that's available exclusively on Disney Plus, the Disney streaming service. It's Turning Red. This is the latest uh, feature animated film from Pixar Animation Studios. I 
touch of controversy with this film being on Disney Plus. It originally was scheduled to be uh, to play in theaters, and I think when Omicron was really wreaking havoc in November and December, uh, Pixar, well, I guess you know Disney had to make the decision of of to keep it in theaters and and market it that way, or to or to put it exclusively on uh, Disney Plus, or even to do some kind of a hybrid thing like they've done in the past. They opted to put it exclusively on Disney Plus. So I know animation fans and Pixar fans were were lamenting the fact that they wanted to see a Pixar film on the big screen. And, and you know, in a way, I, I would agree because uh, Soul and Luca and now Turning Red, the last three Pixar films, because of the pandemic, all got put on Disney Plus. Um, one thing I've appreciated, though, is that Disney didn't do an upcharge for it. They just made it part of the service. My thought is, and again, I don't know, but I wonder if uh, these Pixar films are a, a subscription driver at Disney Plus that people, uh, you know, it will make them maybe want to go uh, subscribe to the service because these Pixar films are, are these original Pixar films are making their debut on Disney Plus. You know, not in those conversations, but. I was just happy to be able to see the film. We, hopefully someday I'll get to see Soul and Luca and Turning Red on the big screen because, you know, that's my favorite way to see to, to watch movies. But I was still happy to see it on Disney+. Plus. One thing, too, though, that I've wondered, and, uh, you know, again, I'm not in these conversations. All three of these films, Soul and... Uh, Luca, Luca and Turning Red have been a bit uh, a bit unusual, not necessarily you know mainstream mainstream type stuff. And that's one of the things I love about Pixar. I feel like that they 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 take a few more risks, I think, than other than other animation houses do. But um, you know, I I, I wondered if that was, if that was a that was a factor too. Uh, because Turning Red is really kind of a weird movie, uh, as I'm gonna as I'm gonna get in, into here now. But again, w would of course welcome any insights or any knowledge <laughs> you've got <laughs> about about this. Uh, Turning Red is is a a comedy about a, a 13 year old girl who is Chinese Canadian. Who's who's who lives in Toronto, Canada, with her parents, and uh, she she uh, starts turning into a giant red panda whenever she gets too excited or too emotional. And so, uh, this this movie I'm calling it Pixar's puberty movie. It's it's a uh, it's literally a movie about this the you know with this little girl. She's she's hitting puberty. And so this red panda is is uh, I think representative of a lot of a lot of different things. It's representative of of her uh, budding sexuality, of her of uh, her menstrual cycle, of her uh, desire to start being a more independent 
person. And uh, the thing about this character, too, is that she's got an incredibly dominating mother who is very well intended, but but the mother's domination is is, is something. This um, these characters are interesting. I thought that 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 Mei Lin, you know, the main the main teenage girl, you know, she's 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 a girl who wants to be good. You know, her her main goal and the thing that brings her much joy in her life is having a positive relationship with her parents. She's an only child, but she, you know, she loves them and she wants to, you know, I mean, she's been taught this way, but she wants to do the family proud. And, and she, she like just loves to help, help her mother. They operate a, a temple and, and uh, people can go to this temple and, and, and uh, you know, v- visit the temple. It uh, and there's a lot of this kind of this red panda imagery, and it turns out that this actually is a big thing in in her family. That when when the young women in in this family uh, hit puberty, they have the same thing where they turn into a giant red panda. And there's this when they get too excited, and there's a and there's a ceremony that can happen in order to extricate uh, the panda from the girl. And I I'll, I'll try to keep this as you know spoiler free as possible. But that's you know that that that's kind of the setup. Maylin also though has got so she's got this devotion to her parents, but she also has got friends at school, and she's got these three these three uh, girlfriends. Who I I just I thought that their friends were great. I love how they were portrayed, and uh, one of the things that the, these girls love is this boy band, and so that's just kind of fun. This this movie is set in two thousand two, which I think is about when when the you know when the director, who is also a Chinese Canadian woman, uh, you know like when where she grew up. So in a way, this film is is you know she's got. It's it's based you know in an environment that she you know that she grew up in, uh, but so she's got this girl's conflicted because she's got her she's got her friends that are trying to pull her not in bad directions but you know you know how it is when you're that age you're just there's just stuff going on with your friends, and then and then uh, of course her parents who who are trying to to uh, keep her within a, within certain limits too so. I thought that this was a actually a really fascinating film on it it took me into a different place uh uh you know into it into in, in, within a different a different mindset and while particularly in the third act kind of all hell breaks loose but if but in a, I thought in a weird and funny and interesting way um I, it's probably not a movie that's going to necessarily appeal to 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 everybody. Uh, I know that the uh, the stuff uh, about you know puberty and menstruation and whatnot, and and even just you know starting to get a bit of a sex drive, is uh, not necessarily the fodder of a of a of a classic family film. Uh, also, 
the stuff with the pandas is just <laughs> kind of wacky. Uh, you know, so that is what it is. And then also, you know, a film with a real dominating mother. Uh, frankly, I wonder if some of that's a bit trigger triggering for, 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 for folks who maybe had to grow up with that or, you know, uh, or just don't like that. this no necessarily type of story. Cause again, the mother's not, the mother's not like, mean or evil or anything she's just extremely opinionated and very demanding uh but then again cute may lynn she really you know she really wants to obey her mother but then also you know she's other things are going on with her and she's got a, she's got you know i mean she's turning into this giant panda she's got to figure things out so i was quite delighted with turning red i thought turning red was I thought it had just absolutely terrific animation. Again, that the from the Wizards at Pixar. Uh it's it's quite cartoony, but I mean that in the best sense of the word. Just just again the way that the, the way that the characters move. I love everything about their faces and their giant mouths and all this stuff. I just I, I just think there was there's so much that I uh that I that I loved about the look of the film. And I thought that thematically it was, it was very, it was very interesting. I liked I liked the post I thought I saw, and I'll I'll put it on in the podcast notes on my blog. But the director, whose name is Domi Shi, uh, she posted to Instagram, and basically she just was thanking people for their response to her what she calls her beautiful and weird movie. <laughs> so anyway, that is that is turning red now. Now uh, streaming on on Disney Plus. The last review that I w- just want to go over briefly uh, is a film on Netflix. It's called The Adam Project, and this is a this is a, a sci-fi time travel movie that is directed by uh, Sean Levy or Levy Levy. Uh, I'm not sure how you know how to press. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Levy. Uh, and uh, it has a great cast. This film stars Ryan Reynolds, Mark Ruffalo, Zoe Saldana, Jennifer Garner, um, and Catherine Keener. And basically the plot is uh, Ryan, the Ryan Reynolds character. He, uh, he's time traveling because he, because, you know, he has to, I think he's trying to save the world and, and be noble but he gets injured and he goes back in time to to visit his himself when he was 12 years old uh and he's able to go so so adult this adult character played by Ryan Reynolds and then his 12-year-old self who's played by an actor uh, named uh Walker Scobell um go go on this adventure to to uh save the world one of the things that I think is so appealing about it is this great cast that uh, the parents of, of Ryan Reynolds and of course, of, and, and his 12 year old self are played by Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner. As I mentioned that they're in this and they're, they, 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 they play husband and wife and Mark Ruffalo is, is this genius scientist who uh, helps invent this time travel stuff. Um, Catherine Keener plays, uh, she's in a dual role. 
she played because again they've got you know with this time travel stuff these characters played different versions of themselves within a different time period who goes from just kind of a a sweet and noble scientist into to an evil megalomaniac <laughs> so she's got there's that going on and then Zoe Saldana she plays the wife of the adult Ryan Reynolds who's also involved in this in this in this time travel stuff uh it's you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of science fiction stuff going on lots of battles lots of coming in and out of of these these different time zones and things and it's 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 an appealing it's an appealing movie it's it's uh again it, good actors time travel i think can be can be such a fun uh uh construct you know there's so much things going on it's this isn't really i don't maybe it could be compared to like back to the future or something like that but it uh I, I, not really i think it's a, it's a little more i think they're going for for, for uh relationships here there's a lot going on as as the adult Ryan Reynolds is dealing with his uh, his parents, and I'll, I'll I won't I, I won't provide any spoilers uh, about that. But uh, I I didn't think that the script was necessarily just great. I liked the relationships and I appreciated it, but I I often feel as I do with 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 many of these things that I, that I've seen on Netflix is that. The movies are, are are passable, but they're not just great, and some of them, you know, are. But this is just one of those I thought was it was enjoyable, and it, this great cast elevates it. But I just didn't think it was that compelling of a of a story, and 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 maybe a little bit manipulative the way that they were handling the meaning uh, manipulative of of of, uh, of emotions. Uh, and again, that's what they're trying to do because you know, ultimately, at its core, it's kind of a family drama. But, but uh, anyway, uh, I thought that the Adam Project was just okay, not terrible, but not just not just uh, brilliant. But again, if you got some time <laughs> uh, just to hang out and watch some Netflix, uh, there are worse things you could watch. A quick reminder, and you, and you might not uh, be hearing this in time, on Thursday, on St. Patrick's Day, uh, Thursday, March 17th, um, one of the great movie love stories is going to be playing on the big screen. It's The Quiet Man, which uh, is uh, the classic film starring John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. John Wayne, John Wayne plays a retired American boxer who, who returns to the village of his birth in 1920s Ireland, where he falls for a spirited redhead who's played by Maureen O'Hara. Um, uh, one of the challenges they've got involved is that Maureen O'Hara's brother, you know, you know the character's brother, is very contentious of, of, this, uh, of this union. Um, but it's directed by John Ford. This is part of the Turner Classic Movies Big Screen Classics series. So 
it's uh I think definitely worth checking out. If you can't get to the theater on Thursday, March 17th, it might be one uh, to uh, to find and to watch because The Quiet Man is 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 just a brilliant film. Taking some more information can be found at fathomevents.com slash TCM. And I'll have a link in the podcast notes on my blog to the, to, uh, to that site. All right. One final note, you know, it's Oscar season. Uh, the Oscars television broadcast is going to be on Sunday, March 27th this year, uh, 8 PM Eastern, 5 PM Pacific. It's going to be on ABC. And, uh, and of course they have a very active presence on social media, so you can find, uh, I'll have links in the podcast on my blog to where you can find information about, about the Oscar, the nominees, in case you want to fill out a ballot for yourself and then. Uh, you know, for fun, and then uh, also about where you can find uh, find their their uh, social media content. Uh, also, just as a heads up, to check your local listings to see if you if your local movie theaters are playing uh, Oscar nominated films. So again, in our market here in Salt Lake City, Cinemark is doing their Oscar Movie Week Festival Pass for thirty five bucks. You can see experience all 10 Best Picture nominees. And they give you um, a deal where you can get 50, 50% off any size of popcorn. So, uh, if, you know, the one challenging thing with that Cinemark Pass is that some of the screenings are during the day. So, that's going to be a bit of a challenge for me because, uh, uh, you know, I have a job. And so... I might not be able to to do that, but still, that's that's great. I also no, noticed, and I'll provide a link in the in the podcast notes too, that um, the Megaplex Theater chain, which is also here in um, Salt Lake City in the state of Utah, they are showing some of these award nominated films, and they've got different times over the next few days. So uh, check your local listings and since and your theater chains, they might be providing something like this, and uh, it's a great way to see to see uh, these Oscar-nominated films. I still have got, if I'm not mistaken, three left to see. So um, we'll, uh, we'll uh, see how that goes, and I will, I will keep you posted. Uh, one final note is that Turner Classic Movies, uh, th- throughout the month of March, is doing their 31 Days of Oscar programming. And it's, it's just basically a month-long showcase of films recognized by the Academy, of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. This year, TCM is celebrating what they're calling the winners, um, where each of the featured films across all 31 days has won an Oscar in in some category or another. Um, One also interesting addition that TCM is doing this year is they're partnering again with with HBO Max, and uh, every day uh, they're highlighting a film on HBO Max with... uh, with exclusive extras and uh, other bonus content. So so if you have HBO Max, check out the classics curated by TCM Hub, and you'll be able to find these uh, Oscar-winning films again every day that uh, have have some cool extras. I know, for example, 
they showed Dr. Shivago on on HBO Max, and they included some interesting interviews with Omar Sharif and other people are involved in the making of the film that you wouldn't necessarily see on the TCM network, you know. So you, it's just another bonus of of, uh, of HBO Max. So anyway, TCM's Thirty One Days of Oscar goes through the month of March, and again, uh, the Oscars broadcast is going to be on Sunday, March twenty seventh, on ABC. does it for this episode of the movies past and present podcast again links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts google podcasts and stitcher links are also on the blog and follow me on instagram my handle is at movies p-a-p as in past and present as always i hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week whether they be from the past or the present Thanks for listening, and until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth. Bye.